You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 319, we're discussing CinemaCon reveals, including Across the Spider-Verse, The Batman 2, and Sony's live-action Spider-Man universe. I'm one of your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. Carlos, my man, it is an exciting day to be back on the pod because we've got this huge theater owners convention right now that is happening as we speak that has dropped several huge bits of news from both the world of DC, Warner Brothers, as well as Sony's Spider-Man universes, both live action and animated for us to talk about today. Gotta get excited about it, man. Hyped! Yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, I, I got a call yesterday and it was like, hey, you know, Carlos, we got a lot of exciting things <laughs> happening back. in the uh, Sony Spidey universe, the Sumac as it was. And uh, we know you record on Tuesday, so we want to make sure that uh, Avi delivers the goods. So that was cool to get that phone call uh, on uh, Monday morning there to get a bit of lead in as to what Sony's doing. And then, uh, you know, not to be outdone and to show that he's got the goods as the new head of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zasloff. He uh, he brought some treats today so that uh, he also got a good showcase for his studio in Warner Brothers Discovery on the Nerd Room podcast. He's noticed that, you know, we've been showing them a bit more love as they show us a bit more love and uh, and off we go. They, they want us to change that logo. So they do, man. We'll, <laughs> we'll see do. what happens. Well, we've got an exciting episode for you guys here. It's Avia Rod, sponsored as well. I always love when he makes a visit to the podcast at the hop here. Cold open with Avia Rod. I love it. Absolutely love it. So, guys, we're going to continue with the format. It is the Rapid Fire Nerd. For this week in nerd and the majority of this week is going to be consumed by all the CinemaCon reveals so what is CinemaCon let's frame this out a little bit before we even jump over to this week in nerd so CinemaCon is a big convention held in Las Vegas put on by the National Association of Theater Owners and this is where everyone gets together and celebrates cinema celebrates the theatrical experience the last two years though hasn't been much of a celebration with the theatrical experience being somewhat on its deathbed. But it was nice to see this come back in a big way with a declaration actually coming out of this from those theater owners that the death of the theatrical experience was heavily exaggerated and we are no longer going to see as a viable business model day and date releases. They say piracy killed that. I would say us getting over COVID probably helped a little bit (laughs) with that theatrical experience. I don't know if piracy is completely to blame for the death of that business model. But it seems that with very strong box office results, the stabilization of audiences going back in big ways with No Way Home and the Batman, even things like Sonic the Hedgehog anchoring that theatrical experience, we are back, guys. We are back, and CinemaCon is here to celebrate that and deliver us the news for this week. So, Carlos, man, you got to be excited about that theatrical experience being back here and what it's actually delivered today and what we're going to get through in our rapid-fire nerd. Yeah, man. It sounds like this NATO is more effective than the uh, the one that can't get their poop in a group uh, over in the Ukraine. But uh, yeah, I, you know, 
as much as we were embracing the realities of what uh, new movie watching was going to be during the pandemic, mm-hmm. man, I, I saw the Batman in the theater seven times. Like, what else is there to be said? Yeah, there's there's no no fake in that experience, and there's just something special to it, right? So. Yeah, as much as I talked a good game about uh, being happy with streaming, me too. <laughs> obviously, uh, that that allure of the of the theater was too much, and uh, yeah, the theater owners were right, and that the demise of the theatrical experience was greatly exaggerated. So mm-hmm. let's yeah, go. This this concept of the theatrically exclusive film releases, I think there's still to say those words to be very clear that it's only in the theaters. But guys, it looks like that experience is is alive and well. And even for me personally, I was a huge proponent, huge supporter of day and date, pushing these things to, to streaming. But we've seen the effect on the industry. We've seen this effect on so many people that I'm happy that everything is returning to the, the normalcy, the pre-pandemic numbers we're seeing with things like the Batman and all of these big movies. We've got Multiverse of Madness on our doorstep here. So big things for there. And we're going to break all this CinemaCon stuff down over in... This week in Nerd. All right, everyone, welcome to This Week in Nerd, where we break down the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. And we're doing this inside of our new format where we take these short stories, frame them out, and provide relatively rapid opinions and insight into those stories. So, Carlos, I'm going to let you lead this one off this week because I think there's something very exciting that happened over at CinemaCon just an hour or two ago. Man, I'm not even going to front. We are getting confirmed the Batman 2, Matt Reeves at the helm, and Robert Pattinson donning the cowl again. Like, holy smokes. Like, our boy Rick, he blasted me the DM. He was the guy that broke the news. All love to him. And, uh, man, I was just grinning year to year. And it's like the... It's the dumbest thing to get emotional about because it was a foredrawn conclusion. Like 100%. this thing cleaned up at the box office for the type of movie that it was. And even on HBO Max, like I was reading an article about the Samba numbers and it for the first week of it being available for streaming on HBO Max, like it pantsed everything. Like yeah. it did almost double the numbers of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I think it was only like a hundred thousand views shy of Mortal Kombat, but that it beat all these movies, like stuff like Dune that was wildly successful, day and date theatrical movies for something that had a pretty healthy run in cinemas is is amazing. So yeah, there's no question as to why Warner Brothers is high on this movie. Like it was critically beloved, financially successful, and uh, based on my firsthand experience, just kind of reading the tea leaves of the people around me, I, I think it's garnered them a whole pile of new fans and mm-hmm. have got people confident in the studio again. So yeah, man, like one of my wife's coworkers sent us a, a text message, <laughs> just, you know, excitedly uh, talking about the Batman two hitting. So yeah, I, I'm sitting in my fairly expensive the Batman chair right now and I am in the Batman seventh heaven. Well, and like you said, it was a foregone conclusion for the most part, but we we've made a living here in this podcast speculating, but I didn't feel comfortable saying it was a hundred percent until Matt Reeves stood up there 
and said, we are doing this. They were getting a Batman sequel and Pattinson is on board. I think this is probably all done in contracts prior to the Batman being released and these guys signed up for a minimum of three movies. But until Warner Brothers, until Matt Reeves stand up there and say, yes, we're doing this, I was still a little bit worried, like 1% worried that maybe this was just going to be a one-off. But here we are, man. I'm as excited as you. It is very, very cool to see that there's this much enthusiasm that Matt Reeves is coming back, both in a creative sense as well as directorial, which is very, very important. And Pattinson, that he is on board to do the sequel. He seemingly has had the best experience of a Batman in quite a few years, where he kind of presented himself, did the, the promo stuff, and came out of it relatively unscathed, if at all. Uh, which is different from some of the other Batman experiences in the past. And so it's great to see that this momentum is continuing its building and that they save this announcement for this big CinemaCon, this big celebration of the theatrical experience because this movie is doing gangbusters or did gangbusters prior to its HBO Max debut. Yeah, man. Well, Pattinson's got to be happy because the reason he's the happiest Batman is because he's the Batman that got to wear pants. Yeah. So I, I, I think the pants were the difference. <laughs> there you go that was the difference maker in the contract i need to be wearing pants consistently (laughs) so very very exciting there man let's continue this dc hype train because their engine their their what is it the hype engine really kicked into overdrive at cinemacon today with all sorts of other reveals and promo campaigns kicking off we've got dj making a surprise appearance down at cinemacon showing off some black adam footage which i'm guessing We're going to be getting a full trailer here in the not-too-distant future with that being released a little bit later on in the year, but it being maybe more more or less done. I think we're ready for a full trailer for Black Adam. We've got Shazam showing off footage, Aquaman, as well as The Flash here, man. Something special shown. Do you want to get nuts? Do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah, man. Like that Flash trailer breakdown that a couple people typed up got me mad excited. So extremely mild spoilers for the flash if you want to go in totally blind skip forward 30 seconds but like we got to talk about some of these things that came up because a few of them are directly related to the plastic addiction so yeah it sounds like barry goes back in time checks out his childhood home he's watching recordings of himself you meet that longer hair barry but uh the flash costume reveal i guess is pretty epic but where the hype comes in is we get batman bombing around in the bat cycle which is probably going to be the Affleck version. You get Michael Keaton with seven bat suits, I guess. Which you come know, on, that's that's that toy rack at Kenner, the Kenner toy aisle from back in the nineties. Uh, a little bit of Zod action, some Supergirl, and then yeah, Keaton dropping and closing out that sizzle reel with the, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." Which since the time I saw that thing in elementary school. That line has never made sense to me, but it's, it just illustrates how cool Michael Keaton Batman is Yeah, that he said that and we've all accepted it and loved it to this day. Amazing. But man, yep. that, that trailer breakdown, did that get you excited or what? Hell yeah. Anything with Keaton at this moment has got me excited. You know, the Flash stuff right now for me, I can kind of give or take at this point. I'm excited to see what they can do with the time travel, but everything for me is centered around Keaton and the Batman. Talking about seven suits, one better be that Kenner gold armor, man. It's got, <laughs> come on. Even if you just put in the background like an Iron Man suit or something, you got to give that to me. But just hearing how expansive his role potentially could be in this, they may be showing off a lot of it, but it seems like he has 
much more than a cameo or extended cameo role in this. That is a true supporting character in this film, which is what has me very excited. Yes, we have to wait a little longer. Yes, we may get to see him in Batgirl first, but the fact that Keaton's back and, like you said, dropping that line, that specific line, I hope it is just a soft delivery too. It's like Barry's talking about time travel and Keaton just says, well, do you want to get nuts? Do you want to get nuts? I, I just I just want the delivery to be just a little different, but it's a beautiful callback. And hell yeah, man, come on. I, I'm, I'm happy to wait till June of 23 to get Flash just because I know Keaton is going to be there. We get some holdover from the Batman this year, but... I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping for uh, for for that gold suit. Like I said, if we're getting seven, come on, give it to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. That one, the being Canadian, like the Arctic Strike bat suit being yes. in there would be cool. But uh, one of the things that got me the most excited was seeing a few of the pundits from like larger sites who haven't always been as kind to DC, saying that over the last couple of days that that flash footage by far got the hugest pop from the audience. Like, cool. People went crazy seeing that stuff. They said, like, the appeal of Michael Keaton has been definitely understated by the the Twitterverse. And, yeah, man, like, I, I'm not worried at all. And, like, from what I've heard about the time travel and how they treat it, it sounds like it's kind of the back to the future rules, which should be pretty digestible for people. So, 100%. Yeah, it'll, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. And so, yeah, man, the, the hype engine for that one is on level nine i was excited about the aquaman stuff too i, I shared it uh with you earlier but it sounds like it's going to be a kind of buddy cop for lack of a better term but a team up between orm and arthur taking on uh a whole new level badassery of black manta which is a nice change i think from aquaman 2 and a smart way to play it yeah and a follow-up villain which is is relatively rare these this day and age right yeah, to just build on your existing pieces instead mm -hmm. of, you know, what can we blast out there to put into toy form and stick on pajamas and all that kind of stuff. Especially for Aquaman, which was a pretty family-friendly four-quadrant type of movie yeah. for them. So I'm glad they did what they wanted to do to tell the story that they wanted to tell. And then, yeah, man, why don't you uh, take us home with this Black Adam stuff? Oh, man, the Black Adam stuff looks absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm expecting a trailer here in... In just a few minutes. When I say a few minutes, I, I, I really and truly mean that. I, I think that DJ's got to deliver us something here. Like this, the hype for this. Although, what do we wait until November at this point for it? October, um, I think. October. So we're not too far off. And given this movie was supposed to debut in that original July time frame, I'm not, I'm not overly worried that we're gonna have to wait too long for a trailer but looking at things like dr fate showing up we're getting his the slave origin kind of the being reborn as a god he introduced hawkman adam smasher here and this concept about heroes don't kill people but i do so a very very different type of anti-hero if we want to call him that i think at this point which i think is very suiting for for dj i think that like we said in the past, like if he can bring a new style of hero to the screen where he can morph into that character, I think him being too light wouldn't suit who he is. His look is very intimidating, and the way that he's portrayed this character from the beginning is very intimidating. And so hearing him say things like, uh, heroes don't kill people, but I do, is he's setting himself apart from the likes of Superman, if you will. 
Yeah, no, I, I was pretty excited to hear that they are keeping that anti-hero aspect of Black Adam. I love, like, the slave origin is the most fundamentally important thing about that character, so that it's something that they paid attention to and are building the story mm-hmm. around. Um, like you said, you need to do different stuff in this space to make these characters stand up on their own and to keep the audience from kind of burning out on the genre. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad they're doing that. And then he described his version of Black Adam as the dirty Harry of the mm-hmm. superhero pantheon. So <laughs> that's pretty cool too. And then, yeah, his brother-in-arms there on the other side of the house, Shazam, I guess, had a pretty stellar trailer that came out as well. So... Adam Sandberg and Asher Angel, I think, both kind of teased sharing those ones with the wider yeah. public. So, you know what? Stick it on Multiverse of Madness, one or both. Why not? And yep. off you go. Or do Black Adam with Multiverse of Madness and Shazam with Thor. Yeah. And it's all doable, man. And I think I think we're gonna get these soon, very very soon. It's if they want, like we said, to the control the narrative concept that DC's been really really taking their promo with. This builds hype. Now let's leak it out a little bit, right? Let's let the next one, let's let Black Adam have its moment. Because we haven't really truly got a full trailer for that yet, have we? We've got that sizzle reel. Just, yeah. yeah, He got a bit more showcase than the others in the sizzle reel, but that was it. Yeah. Wild stuff, man. DC is is churning out big, big things. Even with all those release pushes, they're still going to deliver the content within this year. You know, we're still getting four big movies. We're still getting everything in 23 and they're continuing to build this momentum as they've shifted over to this this new branding, as we've talked about, or what we will see as new branding in the not-too-distant future. Very, very positive and very big things ahead for the DC Universe. But what's next here? What's next for CinemaCon? What do you want to touch on here, man? Maybe some Spider-Man? Ah, you know what, man? We played with my toys quite a bit. Let's play with one of yours. There was All the right. announcement by that same Sony studio. Let's keep it positive for now. <laughs> that uh, there's a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Come on, dude. Very, very light reveal here. But the idea that there is a another Ghostbusters installment coming. But more importantly, like you said, it's a follow-up, a sequel to Afterlife. They set it up in that movie. They have not confirmed if J- Jason Reitman's coming back, but I think that is all but inevitable, especially with an afterlife follow-up here i want it to be a similar cast but maybe two dueling stories where we go with ernie hudson and maybe a new adult ghostbusting crew but we also stick around with the kids here i, I want to see some of that those elements played with here but man so happy it, to me it seemed inevitable too but this one was less much less i won't say likely but it was something that wasn't for sure in the same way the Batman was a sequel follow-up mm-hmm. to this direct. We knew that Ghostbusters franchise was going to continue on here, but the fact that it's a direct follow-up, I'm here all day for it, man. You know, probably 24, we're looking at this one. Maybe a little later, I don't know. But it's coming, man. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 or whatever you want to call it, I'm excited. Yeah, like I think it had some success, but it's also the type of movie that I feel people will discover at home. And yes. you know what? This is where that Sony deal with Netflix will pay dividends because Netflix still has the most eyeballs and you have a big high profile movie like Ghostbusters Afterlife that shows up on people's Netflix stream. It's going to get watched. It's a charming movie. It's going to garner a whole new crop of fans. And I think the sequel will be huge. Like I, I truly believe that there'll be a whole new bunch of folks. And as you were talking through that, 
I don't need Peter Venkman. Like you can go no, do no, your no. thing, but I, I Ernie Hudson I think will be the the money man. He'll be your Bruce Wayne running your Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond with the young Ghostbusters crew. I wouldn't mind a couple different crews with having like the the group that we met maybe staying yeah. more rural or being a bit of a, a traveling set of Ghostbusters and then having a New York crew maybe. And I'd like to see Dan Aykroyd be your man in the chair for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, he's kind of your operator, your your controller, and off you go. Yeah. Look at that video game that we talked about a few weeks ago that they released. Mm-hmm. That story, that concept, I think is potentially what the movie could go for, where you have Ernie Hudson doing this thing, this new ghost crew, and then yeah, Dan Aykroyd being the guy you go to to be like, oh, you should go here, you should do this, or here's this book, right? I, I very much think that that's where where it could go. I think that they sent off um, Venkman in a way where you know he had that post credit. He's doing his thing. You know, you, you did the right thing with Harold Ramis and sending him off. It is now kind of it brings closure to that series. Now let's run forward with something brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just kind of grow it out from there. Yeah, so exciting, man! I cannot wait. I regret not back in the pack now. I think, but. <laughs> Ah, we'll see. Maybe opportunity will knock again. Quite potentially. But let's stick with Sony and head over to the Spider-Man universe. We'll start with the animated portion of this as our next story. First things first, we do have to talk about with Across the Spider-Verse, so the direct follow-up to the hugely and wildly successful Spider-Verse movie that came out in 2018. Now, this highly anticipated sequel was meant to come out this October but it's now coming out June 2nd, 2023. So quite a substantial move. We're talking on the order of nine-month push-out for this film. A bit of heartbreaking, man. And I think in your house, it was felt a little harder than most. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my youngest was devastated to hear that uh, Spider-Verse sequel was getting delayed. But uh, you know what? It is what it is. There's yep. a lot of substance from what I understand to the fact that the VFX houses are absolutely tapped out right now mm-hmm. with everybody pushing to get those movies that were in limbo done. So it's just simply the reality of the industry. So, yeah. And I think if this is a move to make the movie better, I think it is probably something that will be felt in the experience down the road. You know, you don't want something that's half done or not fully fleshed out or corners have been cut. So we want to avoid that. But one thing at CinemaCon here, both Phil Lord and Chris Miller, so the directors of this follow-up and of the original Spider-Verse, they did present the first 15 minutes of Across the Spider-Verse to the crowd there down at CinemaCon, which is pretty cool. And very, very, very good positive feedback on the footage they did show. Um, Some pretty cool stuff with Miles and Gwen and kind of catching up with them. They also did reveal that the film itself is absolutely massive with something like 240 different characters being in the film across six different universes. So the scale and magnitude of this compared to Spider-Verse is is next level, absolutely next level. And so this this is going to be a very big film, guys. Yeah, this would be cool. And I also like that they changed the title of the sequel from yes. Edge of the Spider-Verse 2 to Beyond the Spider-Verse. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And release that's going to come out March 29th, 2024, I believe, with, uh, with this push-out. So... Uh, not quite a year out from the Across the Spider-Verse. So we're going to get kind of two back-to-back within six months there of, of a fairly substantial, very large story there. So very, very exciting from the Spider-Verse, the animated side of the Spider-Man house over at Sony. So how about the uh, the live-action side, though? 
Ah, oh, really? You're going to drop this one on me? Well, you <laughs> yeah. know what? I'm going to cop out. I'm going to take the easy one. Or maybe okay. it's easy. I don't know. But uh, Venom 3. Venom 3 was officially announced. Uh, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me thrice. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> there is only one guy, and his name is Peter Parker, that can get my hype level restored for these Venom films. Everybody knows I love I love Eddie and I love the symbiote, but those movies are rough, and especially that second one. Like my still word. haven't seen it. <laughs> it is awful. So. Yeah, it's hard to get excited for Venom 3 based on the preceding films, but I I don't know. Like I I don't know what Sony's doing with their movie universe, but you got to think with all the seeds that they've planted for a Spider-Man or Spider-Men to show up in these movies that something has to bear fruit. And particularly with Morbius kind of face planting. Yes, big time. Like it the, it's just hobbled across the 150 million dollar mark globally and was absolutely panned by anyone and everyone that saw that movie which is unfortunate and you know i don't don't wish bad things upon these movies but this this is the time that sony's really got to land something i will say with this venom 3 announcement and where they're going to go with it good question carlos because they planted a whole bunch of venom seeds in the last two movies including no way home is marvel studios going to do their own venom (laughs) and and outshine or upstage venom 3 i don't know i really don't know what's going to happen there and so sure this is a financial decision when you look at the both the 2018 as well as the 2021 or whatever it was was uh venom let there be carnage you know one made close to a billion dollars the other made over half a billion dollars and so this is this is a financial decision this is a green light based off of that and definitely not based off of the feedback from from critics and the fans. <laughs> well, some people really liked it, I guess. But like you said, I'm I'm immensely interested to see where they take it because in the absence of a Spider-Man, I think this thing just kind of goes by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah, it's honestly it's on the same trajectory as Transformers movies. Yep, hundred percent. That's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that that was that one, and I guess was- they actually showed some footage from Craven. Yes. At CinemaCon as well. So I, I am curious about that one. Craven's an interesting enough character with rich enough lore that there's things that you could pull from to do a cool movie with him. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is a great actor. So um, I, I'm probably the most hopeful for that one. Agreed. There is some, if you guys want to go looking on Twitter or on the internet, you can find some set photos of Aaron Taylor Johnson with long hair, beard, kind of looking a bit craven-esque he's got some weird shoes on as well or foot shoes um so there's there's stuff out there and yeah i i think this one probably has me the most interested because it doesn't necessarily need to be a full superhero thing right away Mm -hmm. i think that they can explore some interesting aspects of him hunting stuff or whatever right like that's very obvious it's in the title for crying out loud tim but um i think they can make this look different but the other, I don't know if they showed anything or if they just talked about it. Madam Web, so that's a that's a full goal, right? We've got Dakota Johnson and Euphoria's Sydney Sweeney, which made mm-hmm. Nico very very happy. So that is going forward. But w- like when you start to to calibrate here, 
what's going on in the Sony live action Spider-Verse. You've got Venom 3, Craven the Hunter, Madam Web, as well as this other thing that was announced. I'm not familiar with El Miroto. Is that how you say it? Um, El Murto. El Murto, okay. With Bad Bunny? Sure. Like I, I don't know. Like Bad Bunny's a DJ, right? And I think he was in a couple of WrestleManias. <laughs> so I thought that this might be a gap in my knowledge base. And so I was like, oh, maybe I was just out of touch with, you know, a miniseries or a piece of spider lore. And then Troy hit me in the DM and he had no idea who this guy was. And by all accounts, he's only been in like two issues. So yeah, based on my research, he's literally just great value Bane. And I don't know why they made this choice to go with a big budget live action movie featuring this character. But, you know, if the Bad Bunny gentleman has a fan following and if he approached Sony wanting to do something with them and this is what they came up with sure because that's the only explanation i have for mm. why they would go this route but yeah I, I guess we'll wait till the first trailers hit to pass judgment but for now great value bane that's yeah. my assessment of it well and sony interestingly enough the, when you look this and run this down you've got craven coming out january 13th 2023 madam webb july 7th 2023 and el mirto january 12th 2024 so very very long ways out and that's without any maybe anticipated delays built into some of these as well big absence any sort of live action spider-man talk you called that out at the top so, so conspiracy theory i'm gonna just throw this out there what if one of these or like el Murto, is just a placeholder for a spider-man project that they're not ready to drop the the beans on when you say that out loud it makes a little sense. Like, when you combine up that character, which if you and Troy don't know who this character is from the Spider-Man universe, then there's no chance that really anyone else does. And Bad Bunny just seems like a very odd choice. Like, the only place I've ever heard him is in and around wrestling and then whatever he does musically. Um, but it that's actually... I kind of like that. The January 12th, 2024 does not sound like a Spider-Man release date, though. <laughs> that, yeah, but maybe you... you plant a flag in that one knowing that you know it's of no consequence interesting interesting i like it man i like it i'm gonna run with a conspiracy theory for now and see what happens <laughs> it's just straight conspiracy theory or it might be legitimately great value bane so we'll see who knows sony there i will say this reading the names i can say i'm not hyped but i'm very happy to be proven wrong in this space by Sony, but we will see. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I'm always the the champion of I'll make up my mind when I see it, and I'll give everything a chance, type of thing. So, exactly. <laughs> we'll see what happens if and when it hits, or whatever hits, and where the reviews are at, and whether or not we watch it in theaters or on Netflix. That remains or to be seen. just never, <laughs> like me. <laughs> oh, I I gotta like I I I am that guy. I think I have it instilled in me from those days when comic book projects were very few and very uh, far between. So any little nugget you got, even Ben Stiller's Mystery Men, you went and watched it just because it was a comic book movie and you didn't know when you were getting fed again. So um, I do I do 
pay my tithe in that manner. So I'll report back, worst case. Sounds good. We'll see you in 2024, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that kind of wraps up the CinemaCon coverage, unless there's anything I've missed. There is a couple more days of CinemaCon. These are two of the bigger and more anticipated panels, being the WB and the Sony stuff. But we're likely to follow up this either on Twitter or in next week's episode. So let's move on here, man. We're going to talk quickly about the MCU just a little bit here because we are 10 days away as we record from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It is arriving very, very soon. Next week, next Friday, the Multiverse of Madness will be here. And I want to put in one thing. Now, mild spoiler for Multiverse of Madness. If you've seen the first trailer, this has technically been revealed inside of that. But I will put the spoiler tag on here. But we did have a 10 days out little teaser trailer. Nothing really new. The big thing in here for me, though, is the Illuminati are mentioned by name in this trailer by Baron Mordo. It is the same scene we've seen several times over in the different trailers. But the fact that they've put the name out there, I thought was quite intriguing and interesting. Not because it's the Illuminati. I'm super happy about it. But because, and this is why I wanted to bring this up really. If they're mentioning the Illuminati, they gave you that Patrick Stewart tease. If that's in the trailer, which to me is a huge, would have been a huge surprise in the film in and itself. But if that's in the trailer, what are they hiding, Carlos? What are they hiding? I don't know. I think the concept of the multiverse of madness just opens you up to just so many different things or even just how you play with the pieces that we already know that we're getting, right? Yeah. Like the various Doctor Stranges and the various uh, iterations of Wanda. So, yeah, I, I think it's more just that piece of it is what do these characters that we know are coming do as opposed to what we'll get. I did... I did catch a bit of that teaser, and um, I thought it was interesting that they had America Chavez being the guide to Doctor Strange and Wong. It's like you have two Sorcerer Supremes, but this 16-year-old is teaching you stuff. Yeah, if but, you have picked up the action figure, anyone out there, and read the back of it, you can see why America Chavez is leading them through it. I won't spoil it, but it is out there. If It's on, it's on, explained on the back of the figure, actually. <laughs> okay. Nope, fair enough. Fair enough. So, but it's there, guys. We're going to be reviewing that in a couple weeks. Definitely going to be going and seeing it. Weekend of release at some point. We haven't bought our tickets yet. But I I would recommend getting out there as soon as possible because I'm guessing, based off of previous Marvel experiences and the Multiverse of Madness, this concept, like you said, Carlos, that they have the ability to use, there's going to be lots of spoilers on Twitter and all the different social platforms as soon as Friday hits. So mute words, get off social media if you do not want to ruin that experience would be my recommendation. Or even just unplug from it. Yeah, Because quite frankly, I find that like the pre-release discourse, particularly around MCU projects, is incorrigible. To the point <laughs> that I kind of unplugged from the last few things that were either like series coming up or... Um, like even the Eternals, to be honest with you, I kind of unplugged from all that stuff and it was just so nice. I enjoyed my experience so much more, even for things that I didn't necessarily love um, what the completed project was, that I could go in with out this 
cloud of annoyance that was mm-hmm. kind of buzzing around in the back of your head. So yeah, man, like I like Moon Knight, that was the best idea I ever had was to just be like, I'm muting this word, not because I'm scared of spoilers, but just because I don't care what anybody else has to say. I just want to experience it raw and then go from there. Yeah. So well, funny enough, you bring up Moon Knight here because my experience with Moon Knight has been very similar. I've been very, very unplugged from social media over the last month or so. And so my Moon Knight experience, which I want to talk about right now, has been very, very different than any other MCU project in history. I know nothing about this character. I have no experience reading this character. And I'm not part of any discourse online with regards to this character, which has led me to an interesting piece here on Moon Knight. I watched episode four last night. So and as you can see, I'm kind of space these things way out. I'm almost (laughs) a week out from, from watching it or from its debut at least. And so we're past the halfway point. We're going to get to the penultimate episode, episode five here this week. But I was watching this episode and episode four and spoilers here, but I felt like I missed an episode or I was watching a show that was completely different than the previous three episodes. And you're just like Mark Spector. Well, that's it, I guess. Well, yeah, he had the same experience. (laughs) I thought to myself, did I miss something? We go with this massive departure into this indie-style relic hunt with horror-like element zombies. We've got a talking elephant, and we've got a major question of reality at the end of the show. What did I miss? Like, what was that ticking thing? Like, what was what happened? Like, what was that all about? Was that meant to be like this? Because I think there was a, a little bit of chatter. I was listening to the Vigilante guys, and they said there was a lot of a hype being thrown at this episode that this was the big divergent one. This was the engineer episode. This was the big reveal from Loki, like who's going to show up. This was meant to be that episode. And it wasn't so much on like a big reveal, but it was like a huge, massive skew away from the pattern of storytelling that we had gotten. Right. Like I was immensely confused by the end of the episode. And maybe that was a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm not talking about Moon Knight. I, I, I've I've enjoyed being coy with people. I've gotten a, a, more than a handful of DMs from people being, "Hey, what do you think of Moon Knight?" I'm not telling you. I've I've enjoyed staying out of things, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, <laughs> I can tell you for serious so, or not. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't yeah because I haven't touched on Moon Knight with you at all. And in no. fact, I think with the first initial thoughts episode, just the it was way just me. yeah our recordings go and. Um, being able to watch the episode, it had to be a, a solo shot injected into it. So here, and you know what? I'm glad I get to do it after episode four because episode four, I think one of the things that the vigilante guys were touching on was that there was a lot of chatter um, from folks that had got the screeners as well as from the showrunner himself that episode four is the big mind-blowing episode where everything turns on its head and yeah, out of the two of us, I am the Moon Knight fan. Like I have read Moon Knight in quite a volume, to be honest with you. So yeah, I'll go back to the beginning a bit, give you a little Moon Knight mini review here. To be honest, out of all the Marvel shows, I actually kind of enjoy this one the most, or I've enjoyed it the most on the whole. Uh, I think the acting, the character work, and the overall storytelling is the best, most consistent, and the most tied together of the MCU shows that we've seen to date. Where I do, and as far as CG goes, just so it's out on Front Street, I'm giving 
every piece of media that we watch from here until 2024 pass on CG. Yeah. There's re- real world realities as to why stuff looks the way it does. So I don't care. Like I'm not knocking points for I don't CG even notice all. it to be honest with you. Like at all. So if I'm being 100% honest with you, I don't see it. Yeah, it's like it's not great, but at the same time like I said I'm not it's like yeah, are are you showcasing cool stuff a cool way? Yeah, okay, I I get it. If your CG looks kind of like the mummy for lack of <laughs> better draw, so be it. So um but where I find the show really falls down is actually on the on the back of the camera, like the editing and the fight choreography and um just the staging is awful at times where it's almost unwatchable. Like that first episode, the car sequence, mm-hmm. I was just like, what is this? And which Canadian production company made this? Actually, I can't <laughs> knock our production companies too much anymore. It's just PTSD from watching Canadian television as a kid in the nineties. But um, yeah, I, I think that that's where the show falls down more for me, but I, I do kind of like the journey that we're on as a reader of moon Knight, like, spoilers but Stephen grant is actually nearly non-existent as a personality in the majority of the writings and in fact i think the last time he showed up he was just like he was like a childhood personality within mark specter but i do like that they took Mm -hmm. a little piece of the lore and made it their own as their pov for the show so that was cool and i i get it and i like what oscar isaac has done with um that character and I think you know he's just chewing up scenery when he's playing Stephen Grant and I think it's clear that he prefers playing that uh, 100% personality I like it too I like it o- over Mark Spector so I don't mind that I I gotta admit it was a pretty big kick to the junk being a Moon Knight fan to see Mr. Knight portrayed the way he was is just mm. basically Stephen in a costume because I love Mr. Knight as this cold calculating He's almost like people always like to equate Batman with Moon Knight, but like that cerebral type hero um, just really appeals to me. And that's what Mr. Knight is. And that they just made him a joke. I I, I don't know. Like I, I really didn't like that. And then also because the, the Fist of Conchu caped up Moon Knight uh, superhero version that they have doesn't talk a ton and you know he's just kind of this uh, force that having Mr. Knight be so silly I don't know I don't I don't I think there's enough difference between the two characters that you could have made them both cool mm-hmm. instead of one being a joke but uh yeah I um I didn't mind it I don't I I actually kind of like the whole Egyptian god story that they're going with yeah. and that it's these um, rivalries amongst these ancient Egyptian gods that's playing out. And I think it's a nice a layer that kind of sits with the weird pantheon of um, ethereal beings within Marvel. So you, you've now established your Egyptian pantheon and you have your, um, your Norse pantheon with the Thor characters. And it looks like we're going to meet your Roman can- pantheon in... Um, Love and Thunder. So that's cool. I like that the Egyptian gods have uh, their little space now. I like the conflict between Ethan Hawke's character and Oscar Isaac's character and that he was once the Fist of Conchu, which is also uh, a little bit of a different tweak on on that character. And yeah, I think it's cool where they're heading. And so 
with the end of episode four, I kind of liked the payoff. So the end of episode four is where I think it, it's either Warren Ellis or Jeff Lemire's, I think it's Jeff Lemire's run starts with yeah. Mark Spector, where he's just kind of pops up in this uh, mental institution and then he's trying to figure out what's going on and who's who. And I, I thought they did a really good job of that. It was interesting to put it at this point in the story with um, him being shot before that as well. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I'm the most invested I've been from an episode one of an MCU show to an episode four. Uh, it, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably still the best made one of mm-hmm. them, but I think this one's actually got the best story and most cohesiveness to it, ironically given the fact that it's somebody who's <laughs> suffering from dissociative identity disorder, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. And like, don't, don't confuse my absolute confusion with dislike because like, as, as you're playing this out and as I'm thinking about it, if you go back to my, my one want for this is that I wanted to be confused for this whole thing. I want to go on the journey with Mark Spector and, and Stephen Grant here and not know what was going to happen. And so this episode just threw me way off because it, it is a it is a divergent. But I love Oscar Isaac when he's Stephen Grant. I think it, it's just really good. I like him more than, than Mark Spector. Mark Spector feels like Poe Dameron. It feels like the, yeah. like the assassin character or whatever, right, that he would play in any action movie where Stephen Grant is is different and they have their own unique abilities and and professions and all this kind of thing and they can use that to the advantage of, of the character when need be and so i like that they're playing with all that and the exploration they're doing in egypt specifically like i said very indie style relic hunt that, that's a lot of fun and I, I you know personally i don't want them to blink and say ah it's all just in his head at the end of the show <laughs> but at the same time i think there's something kind of cool going on here with with this reveal at the end of episode four and i'm here for it man i'm invested in this and I want to see this play out and where it's going to go. Yeah, it's, well, it's probably, if I was to guess, they're going to have it being a twist on how the comics were, where it was kind of Conchu playing around with him, but it'll be Amit, right? Because he's yeah. been shot. And yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens interesting. tomorrow. Very interesting. Well, there's, there's a mini review from Carlos on the first four episodes, and we're going to have a, a nice wrap up here once we get to episode six of course inside of the nerd room here as we talk these things through with and in line with i guess dr strange and the multiverse of madness so man that that kind of taps me out for this week for news stories we can finish off there with moon knight unless you got something special you want to put in front of us well we've got a couple pieces of breaking news like uh justin lynn has walked away from fast 10 Ooh. so um as we all know, as well chronicled, that I am not the, despite, you know, maybe having some Vin Diesel-like attributes, I am the least uh, fan of the Fast and Furious franchise amongst our podcast crew. But uh, I thought it was worth a mention in honor of Troy and our boy Ian there, who, you know, Ian likes bad stuff. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what this means. Honestly, I, I love Justin Lin as a director, though, so I'm hoping that this uh, results in him doing something cooler. And um, it's fast something... X, man, not fast 10. Fast X. X as in, no, I will not go watch I've not this watched movie. Probably last like three movies in that franchise, including Hobbs and Shaw. 
I love Dwayne Johnson. I support him everything and everything he does. Just haven't got to that movie. Oh, see, well, yeah, and you're you're not as committed as my wife, who's just like, nope. My fast experience was just the movies featuring Luke Hobbs, and I was like, oh, you know what? I I can respect that. I guess <laughs> being a brown guy with tattoos and bald, I got to take what I can get. You're basically DJ if you're asking me, but <laughs> yeah. That guy's probably taking poops at way more than I do, but uh, it, it, it is what it is. And uh, man, we had the release of the Marvel Legends that we talked about last week. So all those oh, yes. Spider-Man Marvel Legends went on pre-order and we'll hit this in the news as opposed to in Our Week in Nerd because man, it was news to me what the freaking price was going to be on these figures. So a few of those single pack figures were hitting $47 Canadian. Yeah. Iron Spider was one of the ones that I was eyeing up and uh, I I had to back away from him. Uh, the two packs, the Null and Venom two pack with the wings, $115 Canadian. And, you know, a, a couple of people that I was chatting with, they're like, well, you know, you get those wings. And I was like, well, I got the Batman who laughs Sky Tyrant version which came with these big beautiful hawkman wings that are feathered and infinitely more detailed than those venom ones and it's a bigger figure and i paid 24 dollars for it i can't justify that for for a venom kind of thing and uh yeah i went in with the intention of getting all those figures with the exception of the um renew your vows two-pack with mary jane and peter and i ended up getting just the amazing fantasy 15 one i'd locked wow. up the pre-order and it actually had the opposite effect on me so cautionary tale to hasbro i actually went and canceled a bunch of other things that i have on pre-order because it made me decide to curate my collection down even more to a more specific set of characters so a few guys like the hobgoblin ended up getting canceled and a couple others just because yeah, I'm not playing that game with you. Like, not at those prices. So absolutely not. I'm. I've been playing the secondary market game for Marvel Legends for a while, and I'm gonna continue to do so. I do not ever pre-order anything. The only thing I pre-order stuff from is NECA. Yeah. Other than that, it's it's it'll show up, and if it doesn't show up, you know what? I'm gonna find it down the road somewhere loose for half the price. I'm not paying forty-seven dollars. I'm not paying forty-three dollars for a Marvel Legends. I'm sorry. You know, even that Ravager Thor, I know it's gonna be up there. I'm gonna have to wait or find it some other way. Or make a deal, make a trade for it, something to that effect. Because I'm, I'm just not. I can't. I can't do it. I can't be spending two hundred dollars on a set of Marvel Legends every two months. Like it's, it's just mm -hmm. not feasible. I'd rather spend money. I'd rather put two hundred dollars into a 1994 Jurassic Park dinosaur, one of them, than put it into this stuff. Because I, I just not getting the value out of it. And um, I'm not saying that I'm gonna. It's gonna deter me from collecting stuff. I'm just gonna find new ways to get my hands on it. And I honestly have to be willing to wait and pass up on things when it doesn't make financial sense. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like that's, that's the way these companies determine what's acceptable and what's not to their consumer base mm -hmm. is if these things sell or not. So yep. that's absolutely crazy, man. Tough, tough, tough thing. Well, man, while we're talking about the plastic, let, let's head over, man. I've had a light week, but let's go over to our week in nerd. Here we are, our Weekend Nerd, my favorite segment of the week where we get to talk about what we are picking up 
on the hunt. Now this week, I had all these plans, Carlos, to go down to the Calgary Expo a few times, do some hunting, but it turns out I had COVID or COVID's very close sister or cousin or something, because I was pathetically sick through most of the week, but I did get to get down to the Expo after testing negative five times and feeling a lot better on Sunday afternoon. I took my little partner in crime, my oldest daughter, her and I have gone to quite a few of these conventions. We saw the Ghostbusters, the Alberta Ghostbusters. Big shout out to them. And we were able to run around and look for some toys. We ran into Dave up at Snap Collectibles. Marty from <laughs> Phoenix Comics here right next to or near my house. And uh, I didn't pick up much, to be honest with you. My experience was fun. It wasn't too crowded. Lots of anime there. But I didn't pick up one thing. I did pick up. Some Jurassic Park trading cards from 1993. Eight movie cards. The tops. The tops. Stickers. I'm just, or not stickers. Cards I'm showing. I got four packs here. I saw the logo. I can't turn down this logo, guys. This logo, I see it, and I'm immediately drawn to it, and I have to pick things up. So, I uh, I have cards now, I guess. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to open them as part of the YouTube, uh, YouTube video, but... I, I, if I get deep enough into them, I'm probably gonna have to get the whole collection now. And I don't know how many there are, which worries me a little bit, but it is kind of a fun little hobby thing. I could pick up here and there and kind of go. So it's, it's been very quiet for me, but I did have a good experience. Did you have a good experience down at, at the Calgary Expo? Yeah, man. Calgary Expo was dope. Um, got to, we spent a little more time there, I think, but, uh, yeah, we met Michael Rooker and had our family picture taken with him. He was our selection for this year, being uh, the star of two of my little girl's favorite movies in Guardians and the Suicide Squad and quite the spectrum of parenting there between uh, <laughs> showing those two movies. But, uh, man, like, what a great dude. Like, he very warmly welcomed and literally embraced our family and – yeah, he, he was he was just awesome. a cool cat. So that was cool. We went and uh, listened to a few folks speak, like Carl Weathers, so Grief Karga himself, uh, just talking and he, very animated, very cool uh, presentation. My daughter had met him uh, at a previous expo and got some stuff signed. And it was cool because she went to see him then as a Rocky fan, got his autograph on an Apollo picture, and then uh, went to see him this time as a fan of Mando, obviously. And, cool. Um, yeah, so... It was kind of neat to watch her grow up through uh, Carl Weathers' appearances at the Calgary Expo. (laughs) And then a bit of breaking news, like we went and saw Brendan Fraser. And Brendan Fraser was pretty cool. Like he just sat and answered fan questions. And uh, it was amazing to see the love of this man from like a career spanning decades and the different movies that people Mm. um, came to him from, from Inkheart to Monkey Bone to obviously the Mummy movies. But uh, it was cool to hear him gush about Doom Patrol and awesome. how much he loves doing that show and how bananas it is and how proud he and everybody else is. And, like, that show is crazy. If you have never watched anything of it, like, and you want something totally different in the comic book space, go watch it. Like, I can't even explain what it is because it defies explanation and literally changes week to week. So, you know, <laughs> be forewarned if you're prudish. Like, there, there's an episode where they get haunted by sex ghosts who then continue to show up in episodes throughout subsequent seasons. But uh, that's the type of show that it is. But with that, uh, I guess he was asked about Batgirl movie. And he talked about the action being 
pretty over the top and pretty spectacular and being very proud of the movie and that it's extremely fun and extremely cool. So that got me all kinds of excited. And ironically, within 24, 48 hours of that, there's been a whole bunch of rumblings that Batgirl's getting a theatrical release. Yes, I did see that. That's pretty cool. And we kind of speculated that, like, given the success of the Batman and with Keaton being in there and Batgirl getting huge praise online. Yeah. I, I don't, wouldn't doubt if it got a full theatrical release. Yeah. And it sounds like they put the work and the money into it. So why not? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, have a bit of truth in advertising that it, you know, being that it was originally conceived as an HBO max project, it won't, um, maybe have the grandeur of a couple things, but at the same time, HBO max, they don't skimp either. So, you might have something that's already good to go theatrically and why not, right? New bosses. But uh, yeah, th- that is a bit of week of nerd piece in, in that news and just hearing him talk about it and gush about that's how cool. cool the movie was. And he talked about his character being a very sympathetic and very rich character. And, uh, you know, with him playing Firefly, there's a couple different ways to do it, but that they tapped into those aspects of him being a bit of a tragic figure is, is cool. And then as far as pickups go, man, it it's funny. So I hope Troy doesn't listen to this part of the episode, but I negotiated my way into the Affleck BVS armored Batman hot toy, got a smoking price. I sent him a text and then uh, got cold feet on it, man. I just couldn't do it. I just, I, I went from being Troy's boy to having this Tim epiphany with being like, you know what? I don't know if this is where I want my collecting to go anymore. Like I have a really awesome quarter scale figure of Affleck in that armor. And I'm like, maybe I just want to kind of cap the, the Affleck. So I walked away from that one and, uh, there was a lot of lamentation about it, but you know what? I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. And with you having get one more shot dryer, at Affleck with, uh, a McFarlane here from the flash. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that'll be good enough. That'll be good enough. But uh, yeah, and then speaking of McFarlane's, um, ironically, of all the hundreds of vendors there, I ended up just buying stuff off of our boy Dave from Snap Collectibles. So I grabbed, um, and McFarlane figures no less. So <laughs> um, I, I the first time I saw it, I fell in love with it and had to have it, the Dark Detective Future State Bruce Wayne Batman, um, which is a sweet figure. And I posted some pictures of him on Twitter there if you want to check him out. Uh, man, once again, like the promo pictures did not do this guy justice. I thought it was a bad figure based on the promo figures and was a bit disappointed because I quite liked that character in the comics. But uh, yeah, lo and behold, in person, the figure has some pretty awesome detail, great paintwork, and uh, just cool. Like just a cool looking figure the way they have him uh, sculpted. And they've actually added some articulation to the McFarlane's too. Like they were already extremely good in my opinion but they added the thigh slash i think just for troy to be honest with you <laughs> um we don't disagree mu- on much but the thigh slash on figures is one of the things that uh, we don't see eye to eye on but uh yeah they seem to have added that and then i got the season two witcher Geralt figure ah nice so those are my two bigger pickups oh i found just bin diving i was bin diving for you to be honest and i ended up finding uh this dark knight returns batman and like that Frank Miller Batman's not my favorite, but this was a cool figure and it was like $15 and had to soak for about 
15 hours because it reeked of smoke. But uh, mm. yeah, I cleaned him up and he's pretty cool. So yeah, I grabbed that guy and uh, it ended up being a cheap little weekend. Yeah, I spent the- I had $200 cash still in my pocket. Um, I took $250. <laughs> yeah. And that included lunch for my daughter and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walked away with 200 bucks. And so, yeah, about the most successful con, I will say, it was quite a bit smaller than it had been in the past, I felt mm-hmm. at least. Um, the vendors weren't as nearly as diverse, and it was all a lot of Funko Pops. My daughter, who's seven years old, stood there and said, more Funko Pops? Why is there Funko Pops everywhere? But That's at cute. the same time, yeah, it's hilarious that she's <laughs> noticing it. Same time, I talked to Dave for a little bit, and he said that all his went. He said, you know, we, he said, I expected them to do the Beanie Baby thing and these things would last for five years, but we're well into like closing in on a decade of these things from them being quite popular. And he says, they continue to sell. He said, all the ones he brought are gone. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. And like, there's yeah. literally, literally tens of thousands of Funko Pops on that, on that floor this weekend. It was, it was crazy. Every booth had Funko Pops and some yeah. booths were exclusively Funko Pops and had damn near a thousand on on display or in boxes like it was crazy yeah there was lots of those um not a lot of deals to be had like i know marty was blowing out lots of stuff yeah one well, i talked to him he said i just bring everything from the basement he doesn't even bring the stock from the like he said all the stuff you see is he said it's all extra stock he's like i just bring it to get rid of it he says i can sell about 80 percent of the stuff i bring yeah when well, it was hilarious so my daughter i ended up um just showing her on a whim this Harley Quinn SH Fig Arts figure from the Suicide Squad. And it's like the only time I've ever seen her made in like the cool outfit that she has in the beginning when they do the drop on the beach with like the leather jacket and stuff like that. And uh, she had taken some birthday money and she starts pulling it out to pay Marty for this thing. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I really love this figure. And he had it like priced significantly cheaper than they are in the store. And he's like, oh, dude, he's like, that's actually been sold. Somebody's bought that already and just have their stuff stacked up here but uh he's just like yeah just come to the store on monday and i'll sell you one for that same price so i ended up having to go there on monday and pick that up for oh and actually the other thing i got on monday at his store was i landed one of those um platinum edition mcfarland figures the chase figures but i got the blank superman nice so it's just like right on yeah, Rebirth Superman, totally raw. And yeah, like I was saying a couple of shows ago that I just I just wanted one, one or two, and but it had to be a character that I that I love that I want is you know, just a bit of a representation of those as chase figures. And I'd only I'd found Swamp Thing, but he was like the big fifty dollar figure. It's huge too, yeah. Yeah, and I think the only other one that I ever had a chance of getting with Lobo. And I was like, well, I don't want Lobo to be the one. But yeah, to find Rebirth Superman. And my daughter actually doesn't have that figure. So I bought the the Platinum Edition one of him. So it was nice. kind of cool to have that one. Well, it's it's funny because I think you had a very similar experience to me. I spent most of my time talking to Marty and Dave out of all the vendors. <laughs> <laughs> Two stores that I frequent. <laughs> and both of them caught me off guard because I didn't notice I was going into either. And both of them were kind of off in a corner. And I looked up and Marty's like, hey, Sam. And I was like, I was thumbing through like power of the force figures i didn't even know it was his booth i was like oh shoot <laughs> and then dave did the same thing i went in and he kind of was in a corner and said hey tim and i went whoa and my daughter's like how do you know so many people i was like don't i just spend a whole bunch of money in these guys stores so <laughs> <laughs> so dave, dave talked me up too he says your dad's a big deal around here 
<laughs> Sky Fighter. So yeah, Calgary Expo. It's a good experience. I'm glad that was a. I haven't been to a con in a couple of years because of COVID and everything, and so it's good to get back on the floor and back seeing things again and experiencing with my daughter and all that was really cool. So I'm glad that we we seemingly both had a a nice little experience down there at the expo. And you know, fingers crossed that things continue to go this direction. We get a bigger and better one next year. Yeah, I think like once the cross border logistics yeah. Uh, sort themselves out for a lot of the vendors that come up from the states like yeah i know ours has been historically a pretty lucrative show for them so mm-hmm. yeah it'll be nice to see them return and yeah you can always find gems at that show certainly I, I did find one bought myself a michael jackson lego minifigure yeah so those minifig booths are cool <laughs> there's quite a few of those yeah very cool stuff yeah and i got my cards man i got a new new collection i can do here <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that brings us to a close for our weekend nerd and really for this episode. So if you want to talk more about what we're doing here and all the stuff that we covered this week, the big mountain of news that we got through, you can always email us at nerdm.gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. And yes, I updated it all, so it's all there. The hunt is real, and you can find it over on Instagram. You can find some of our pickups over there every single week. YouTube. Get over to that YouTube channel, The Nerd Room Podcast, and subscribe to us over there. We've got some fun content up there, including a brand new live stream. I live stream with our good friend Mike Tarkin and our new friend Ryan Dole from over at the Yes Have Some Podcast. We had a great discussion about episode one figures in a similar fashion to our Power of the Force live stream. This is a spiritual sequel to that, given the Power of the Force coming right before the Phantom Menace figures. And so we had a lot of fun talking over there. So make sure you go check that out. Give it a like. Also follow Ryan Dole. His handle is on that video, as well as Mike Tarkin. And go visit MikeTarkin.com. It's a new website that he started up, displaying and showing his stars experience through collecting as well. So some great guys there to go follow. What else? Twitter. You can find us always there, run around, provide some commentary, talking about stuff. So you can find our handles at the end of the episode so carlos my man it's been a great one man we packed a lot into this episode it's been a lot of fun kind of breaking everything down from CinemaCon. we'll pick up this thread likely next week with some more panels and also we're going to be getting into a bit of a deeper dive eventually with multiverse of madness and get into the month of may which is traditionally stars month so we've got a lot of fun stuff to cover here in the not too distant future but that's all gonna have to wait until next week or a little later on so with all of that being said for the nerd room i'm tim and i'm batman and thank you so much for entering the nerd this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy sanjay and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 sanjabi and cdn caped crusade r for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net and don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean spotify wherever you plug in Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.